You're listening to Average Joe Sports Talk Podcast with your boy Emac. What up, everybody? This is your boy Emac coming at you. We're back out of episode 14, man. Let's get it popping and cracking up all up in here, baby. We got to go. We got to start with Urban Myers. Come on, man. Urban Myers, finally, this week on Wednesday, the investigation came to an end. The internal Ohio State investigation came to an end. Kind of, you know, gave Urban Myers a sentence. So we're going to, I'm going to hit some points. I'm going to talk about what I think in regards to the overall sentence. Really, really weird press conference. It led to Friday, even him putting out further apologies on Twitter. So when it was all said and done at the end of his investigation, Mr. Urban Meyer up in here actually got a three-game suspension for turning a blind eye on uh, the abusive behavior of his wide receivers coach, Zach Smith. Athletic director, you know, Gene Smith was also suspended without pay from August 31st to September 16th for his looking at this. Ohio State is all about winning football games, doing the right thing in regards to, uh, you know, employees, domestic abuse and lying and, you know, cheating and all that kind of stuff. Definitely not their thing. Winning comes first, my opinion. They're all about winning. They've just shown that they have a lot of invested in Urban Meyer and, you know, got to keep those boosters happy. Therefore, Meyer acknowledged that his judgment might have been clouded by the fact that his Longtime coaching mentor, the late Earl Bruce, was Sack Smith's grandfather. He mentioned it. He said it. With that being said, that was one of the points that he actually mentioned during his press conference. And his press conference, huh? Well, what kind of press conference was that? First of all, he gets up there. It's like a three-minute, his speech is about three minutes. And he's practically reading the whole thing. I mean, PR team, your lawyers are giving you something you need to read off. But this was basically reading. He practically was giving a piece of paper and said, read this. Take this paper. Get in, get out, practically. I've never seen anybody read a statement so quick. Like, all right, look, I got my suspension, slap in the wrist. I'm just going to give you my piece. I'm going to read this joint right here that they gave me, and I'm going to be out. I don't care. I'm done. It was the most, like, shove down your throat type of statement I've ever seen based on an investigation, based on the subject of, you know, spousal abuse from a big-time coach. Again, I have no idea who the PR people is, but they did a horrible job. This reading was just practically Urban Meyer- just reading the words verbatim. There was no emotion, guilt, or sincerity behind these words. He didn't even look up at all. He just kept putting his eyes on his paper and just reading this thing as fast as he could so he could get the heck out of there as soon as it was over. More like he was told what to say, slapping the wrist, three-game suspension, bye-bye, Urban. That's all you need to know. That's pretty much what Ohio State just Proved to me, and probably a lot of people that are not Ohio State fans. You know, he clearly acknowledged that his, you know, judgment was clouded. Uh, you know, he was, it was he's, he's um, his mentor's, Earl Bruce's grandson, like I mentioned earlier. We also learned during this investigation that Mr. Myers has significant memory issues. Wow. During other situations, he had prior to different, you know, events. You're telling me, yo, you're Mr. Meyer, Urban Myers forgetting things? And this is the guy that's calling place for you and leading your team? Damn, talk about, you know, like Rayman or something. I don't know. So this is the guy that's one of the best coaches ever. He's saying that he has significant issues with memory losses in the past over and over. I don't buy it. The problem here was that he lied. He knew about it and lied instead of covering himself better. Now, this proves how he practically lied when he was in UF, when he said that he was retiring because he had mental anxiety and needed a mental break from UF and Surprisingly enough, a year later, or not even two, he gets a job from Ohio State. This is proven again that, to me, Urban Meyer is a complete liar who was trying to protect somebody, 
that he owed a favor to the family because of his um, relationship with the er, with the late Earl Bruce. It's kind of like corporate America, you know, when a big VP, uh, you know, his nephew graduates from college and you got to go ahead and give him that, you know, mid-level job that the guy that's been there for five or six years has been, who knows the business, who knows the department has been working hard for. It's given to the schmuck that just graduated college because, you know, he owes somebody a favor. That's kind of the, that's kind of the same way it happened. I really do have a problem with what everything happened here. I, I'm not condoning domestic violence at all, but the way that this was handled, even by Ohio State, by Gene Smith. The athletic director, Edward Meyer, was just wrong. You blatantly lied. They lied to cover this up, knowing what was going on. The NFL definitely has one over on the NCAA when it comes to dealing with domestic violence. Take a look at Ray Rice. This guy clearly got dealt with. He's not even playing anymore. During this investigation also, it proved how much of a scumbag or a douchebag Mr. Uh, Zach Smith is. They went over probably 40, you know, they talked to about 40 different witnesses in addition to going over 10,000 texts. And through all this, we found some real good stuff, man. You know, some stuff that's made out of, uh, you know, out of the movies. So our boy is taking, uh, you know, pictures of his uh, private parts and sending them to his, uh, actually, he was taking private part pictures of his schlong in the White House, all right, and sending them to their staffers. He was having, taking pictures and videos of having oral sex with the staffers. Dude, this, this, this Zach Smith is a real winner. A real, real winner up in here. He is such a, a real winner. It's not even funny. The press conference was a joke. Uh, Meyer looked completely, completely on fake. He was not sincere. No emotion. Guiltless. So therefore, he knows this. He's getting bashed back after he did this joke of a press conference. By the way, worst, worst statement I've ever seen in my life by a professional athlete, coach, or whatever. He puts out this tweet and a letter out explaining himself of how sorry he is and what he should have really said on Wednesday after, you know, accepting his punishment and, you know, telling the world what was up. And it's funny. He apologizes. I extend my empathy, which he had none in the press conference. This is what he said. Uh, and are affected by the relationship of violence. So right now he has to, you know, go ahead and make this right. And I love this part of the, the statement, actually, uh, of his tweet letter. Let me say here and now that I should have said on Wednesday... Of course, you should have said more on Wednesday. Actually, even if you're reading that, Mr. Myers, you should have actually showed some type of emotion, my friend. Good or bad, this is like, it was emotionless. So let me, this is what he said. Let me say here and now that I, what I should have, have said on Wednesday, I sincerely apologize to Courtney Smith and her children for what they have gone through. Wow. Again, he goes, correcting himself on Wednesday. My words and demeanor on Wednesday did not show how seriously I take relationship violence. I sincerely apologize. Because, dude, you didn't take it serious. Number one, you lied. Then you just go through this whole, I have memory lapses, excuses. I want to, uh, you know, when there was a press conference in Big Ten week, oh, I never, you know, I just did not know everything enough yet. I did report it to the athletic director. You know, all this kind of stuff. So we, we, excuses of their excuses, lie after lie. It's funny how he now brings out he was taught as a kid not to hit a woman. He would kicked out of the house if he ever did that and all that good stuff over and over again. He has the same rule in my house and in a football program at Ohio State that if you hit women, you're out of the house. Well, but you didn't kick Zach Smith, out of, Zach Smith out of the house and you knew about it. So guess what? Your post-press conference tweet explaining yourself of how bad you did on the previous Wednesday with your uh, press conference apologizing, supposedly, which there was no apology sentiment whatsoever out of that press conference, went completely wrong. So Urban Myers, uh, you are a liar and a fake and you're proving that you've been doing this for a very long time. Again, this is the guy that coached 
I'm going to say Tim Tebow, who's a saint. He's probably somewhere, again, kneeling down and praying for Meyer's soul to be forgiven before he enters a pearly gate. But also, there was a lot of issues in Florida State. Hernandez did come from there, right? And look what happened to him. What do you think about that? And there was always issues with players of uh, carrying guns, you know, without license and, and, and being on the field when they violated certain rules. Everything is, all the pieces are being put together on how much of a program or what kind of program Mr. Myers runs. And this was huge because it affected a woman that was abused by a gentleman that should not be around kids or mentoring kids, whether it's sports. And I call the kid an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old because, yeah, they're, they're, they're adults, but they're still, they're still, their mind still could be changed. Sorry, Urban Meyer, I don't buy it. Uh, you're a complete false liar. And Zach Smith, complete, complete D-bag. A complete D-bag. That's my thought. Average Joe Sports Talk and Fuego Headlines. So moving on to Enfuego Headlines. And I am moving on to Enfuego Headlines a lot quicker today because we actually have a complete and loaded lineup in Enfuego. We got some entertaining stuff right here. And I'm going to lead it off with... Tiger Woods makes a $9 million match official with Phil Mickelson via Twitter. Can you believe that? These guys are going to play one-on-one for 9 mil. And it was made officially on Twitter. So finally, Phil Mickelson joins Twitter, sending it into a complete frenzy by accepting a match with uh, with Tiger Woods. You know, it's a one-on-one. It's been, this has been talked for a while. But it's funny because he made his own tweet saying, first official tweet was from Phil Mickelson's account, the match officially official it's on indeed so these cats were tweeting back and forth in regards to this matchup and it was great so you know the dates haven't been on this have been undecided yet uh the venue or whatever the case may be but we know it's for a million dollars is one-on-one and i mean they were going at him man so tiger woods you know tiger woods replies back it's on to phil mickelson then uh phil mickelson replies back to tiger saying i bet you think this is the easiest nine million dollars you will ever make i mean whoa these guys are trash talking back and forth so it was insane and tiger woods goes think you will earn some bragging rights i mean they were going back and forth at it man i think it's just great man this hasn't been done in a very long time and you know tiger and mickelson are one of the top greatest golfers of all time tiger is hot lately uh, he actually may destroy Phil Mickelson, but Phil, the wily veteran, can come up and do his thing. So this is great. Phil and Tiger are going to he- go heads up for $9 million. Man, this, this needs to be made more all about golf. Moving on to Manu Ginobili is seriously considering retirement. Well, it's about time. Manu has been playing for a very, very long time, okay? Manu hasn't yet committed to playing next season. He's seriously considering retirement. He's a four-time champion. Has one year, 2.5 million left on his contract, which if he resigns again, has the last spur remaining for that great San Antonio's core of uh, Parker and Tim Duncan. I mean, he averaged 9.8 points per game in 2017. I mean, 9.8 points is better than any bench warmer out there. And, you know, he's gotten uh, six men of the year honors a few, few times. So he's one of the most decorated Fordham players in the history of the NBA. He's an origin of as a perennial, you know, as a six-man for much of his career, ranking in the top five as first history in points, assists, and steals, man. I mean, Manu also played good D. Manu was the guy that sparked off the bench. Manu was the guy that was out there hustling, man, diving on the floor, and also made some big plays. I mean, Manu would surprise people, man, coming off that you know, lefty quick jab step and dunking on a cat. He'd be like, whoa, whoa, where did that come from? Because Manu doesn't look like a great athlete. But he would do stuff like that. And then, of course, hitting the big buckets. I mean, two years ago, he blocked James Harden to win that series. Come on, man. Manu is definitely a, um, a a all-time great for the Spurs and also an NBA all-time great. I'm cool with that. Manu, uh, I hope he retires. I don't, you know, he's been, 
He's been playing already for a long time. I think he still has nine or ten points game, you know, a game in the gas tank. But ah, come on, man, don't ruin it anymore. Go out, take the high road on your horse, my friend. Richie Incognito arrested after threatening to shoot a funeral home employee. Now, his dad passed away, and he was at the funeral home in um, in Scottsdale, Arizona, which he created a disturb by acting really erratically, you know, erratically, and at one point making gun gestures towards the employees. He gets arrested because supposedly he was going to shoot up the place. And there's a little more after he gets arrested. So the, the copies of the arrest report came out later. And employees at the uh, funeral home, uh, the, um, you know, the funeral home told the police that the former pro bowler said that he wanted his head cut off for research purposes. And that he, wa- and he walked through the funeral punching caskets and throwing things. So, dude, Richie Incognito, man, talk about first verbal abuse against Martin. I forget the first name. And now his dad passes away. And you can do whatever you want with your dad. But all of a sudden you want the... I don't think the uh, the mortuary does that. They can just cut your dad's head because you want it for research. I mean, doesn't you got to like submit it, submit that into, I don't know, the research people? Uh, the boy Rich Incognito is one crazy-ass mofo. Uh, I'm glad he's not playing football, man. Because that, that dude is... Uh, the elevator does not go all the way to the top floor there, my friend. That's There's a problem. My boy... Ex-New York Giants wide receiver Victor Cruz retires from the NFL and will join ESPN as an analyst, man. As an analyst. Isn't that great? So former New York Giants wide receivers Victor Cruz has done it. Slash cha-cha-cha dance in the end zone, man. The 31-year-old announced his retirement on Tuesday, adding that he will be joining ESPN. Victor Cruz is definitely a uh, poor to riches story. It's a good feel story. This is a guy that went to a small college, uh, worked his way up, and made it to the NFL. This is what you call the hard work and determination on behalf of a player that was not highly recruited, wasn't that highly recruited in college or even when he got drafted, you know, did not get drafted. So, man, this is great. I give him, I give him a lot of credit. And you know what? He's a bright guy. Not only he has you know, good gifts as an athlete, has a great work ethic, but also is bright. And I think this is the reason why ESPN is jumping all over this guy. He's no Tiki Barber, I'll tell you that much. Tiki messed up right after he retired. Not Victor. Victor, uh, you know was able to have a career and provide for his family and not a bad career at all. Injuries got to him. So, you know, that's the reason why at 31 years old, he's retiring. But the time that he was, he was not a, um, he was not injured. He not only surprised everybody, but jumped over that ceiling that of his in regards to his career. So props to uh, Victor Cruz, Papa, do the dance, do the cha-cha-cha. It's not the cha-cha-cha, actually, people. It's the salsa. So, yo, salsa, you'll weigh in to ESPN. I'm going to look forward to hearing you during um, football season. Last but not least, headline in En Fuego is the NBA is considering three rule changes for the 2018-19 season. Whoa. I mean, they just threw that out there this week, like on Wednesday or Thursday, and the season is around the corner. But the NBA Board of Governors will vote on three potential rule changes that would begin for the 2018 and 19 seasons. That's this season coming up. The shot clock resetting to 14 seconds instead of 24 after an offensive rebound. I like that. That's a great rule. They're definitely trying to speed up the game. I mean, the game is fast enough as it is, but it always, always needs to be faster, especially with the way people shoot nowadays. So they want to speed up these games, which you're right. Baseball is too long. Football has too many breaks and timeouts. This is a great, great move. I mean, I know they do it in the G League and they do it also in the um, up in Europe in the FIBA organization. Simplification of the clear path rule. Please, yeah, simplify that rule. I have no idea. You know, I mean, the guy gets caught in the backcourt after 
the half court and, you know, gets a foul. I don't, I don't, I never understood that foul, you know, that, that clear path foul to begin with. So some, definitely some clarification is needed on that particular rule. I second that motion, but no, definitely. I think they're, they're making it again, going to the game to be faster. So like that, there's not enough. So it doesn't stop the game anymore. So this is another reason why, you know, this foul is another one that stops the game. They want to get this game going fast. Expanded definition of a hostile act which triggers instant replay. The NBA gets it, people. They get it. They know that the game needs to be faster so people can focus more and tune in more. And by far, they're the fastest one out of the other two sports. But they know. They know what's happening. Adam Silver, man, he he's a pioneer, man. He's a he changes things, man. You know, he, I like Adam Silver for that main reason. You mean he he wants to change the game with the times, and I definitely agree. And this is the reason why the NBA is a global platform. It's a global brand. I mean, everybody in the world buys jerseys from the you know NBA jerseys and sneakers because of this kind of stuff. Because they make the game entertaining and they change with the times. See, they're not set back in the rules like MLB. I know MLB is trying to make some rules. I mean, like the whole intentional walk rule. That's great, but dude, we gotta come up with better, better than that. And so is the NFL. NFL needs to come up with better because right now the NBA is kicking everybody's asses when it comes to branding, ratings, and entertainment. They are the most entertaining brand on sports-wise right now globally. More people watch the NBA than do football and baseball. Can you believe that? It's right up there with soccer. That's what the NBA wants. Revolutionize the game. Stay with the times. Adam Silver, props to you again, my man. Keep doing your thing. Keep making the NBA great. And we're going to finish this off with top five. Go over my top five greatest NBA point guards of all time. My whole top five is set of five point guards that are no longer playing. I know I'm going to hear it from the new age cats that love the point guards that are playing nowadays. But my top five point guards, the greatest NBA point guards of all time, and none of these guys are playing. So I'm going to start it off with number five. My number five top point guard, greatest point guard of all time is Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson, my homie from Brooklyn, New York. You know what I'm saying? Mark Jackson made the best with the least out of this list that I'm going to give you today, that I'm giving you today. Mark Jackson was a NBA Rookie of the Year, was an All-Star, first team uh, Rookie of the Year, and is the fourth time leader in assists. Now, points are not going to blow you away at 9.6 because he's your typical typical point guard, you know, your your prototype point guard from back in the day. Also had 10,334 assists, which averaged about eight, six, eight assists per game which that makes him, that puts him a fourth in the all-time assist leader. You know, he made the best out of nothing. Mark wasn't the most athletic. Mark wasn't the mo- the fastest, but he was one of the smartest. And I'm telling you, when they actually make a rule after you, Mark Jackson is the reason why the five-second rule was put into place. I mean, when this guy would take smaller point guards down low, he would live there down low. But he would destroy these smaller, he would punish these smaller point guards with that hook shot, posted them down, and also was the king of the teardrop. Come on, young bucks. The teardrop was originated by Mark Jackson, all right? He made it nice, he made it good, and also was a great role general, great leader. Played with a lot of teams, but the two main teams that people remember from playing the most were the Knicks, of course. Yeah, two rounds for the Knicks and Indiana Pacers. And of course, he punished the Knicks when he came back during the playoffs. So uh, I love my boy Mark Jackson. Did not like him with Indiana, but Mark Jackson, number five. At number four, yo. Canadian homie Steve Nash. You know, Steve Nash is one of the best point guards of all time. I mean, look at his achievements. Two-time NBA Most Valuable Player. Eight-time All-Star. Seven-time All-NBA Team. First team two years in a row. Third team twice. And second team three times. You know, this guy was nasty. He was a five-time NBA assist leader. And, you know, he actually um, 
six-time maybe regular season total in assists. I mean, this guy was nasty. He had so many, I mean, there's so many, I mean, I can't read the whole thing here, but he has so many different awards. But two-time MVP, he made other players better. He was he was good where he was they were handed to him. Whatever he had, he made Stoudemire the best player he could be, even though Stoudemire was nothing afterwards. Come on, Sean Marion. You know, he played in Dallas with not Nowinski, but Nowinski for a little bit. Uh before that was Jim Jackson, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, dude, he this guy was nasty. He is the he is also in the top uh five in assists of all time. 14.3 points a game. I mean, dude, what can you say? He was crafty, short. Very quick. Was did not jump out this building, but it was very quick. But also won games. He was giving an offense, a revolutionary offense by Dan Tony, and he made that offense what it was great. There's a reason why Chris Balker makes good offense, because Nash did it first. So he never played with a lot of great players until his old age when he went to LA, but he was already damaged goods. Number three, Isaiah Thomas from the Detroit Pistons. Come on, what can you say about Zeke? Nineteen points a game, nine point three assists per game, eighteen hundred over eighteen hundred steals. This guy was a two-time NBA champion, NBA Finals MVP in 1990, 12-time All-Star, two-time MVP All-Star, three-time NBA first team, two-time NBA second team, all right? This guy was nasty, the leader of that bad boy team, all right? He led that team with players like Lambeer, Rodman, oh my gosh, I forget the the shooter, but he he had some guys there, Vinny the Microwave, Mahorn, he made that team really good. Now, I remember Isaiah was that player that before Iverson had that quick step and could throw it down. Before that point guard like Kevin Johnson who could dunk, it was Isaiah. Before the, a point guard can go out there like Kevin Johnson, and, and I'm going to refer it again to um, Iverson, can go up and do a putback dunk of a miss from a current teammate, Isaiah did it first. Handles for day. Great one-on-one player and was the first official point guard that could score out of this world. Point guards back in the day were more like Mark Jackson, you know, 10 points a game, feed the ball, lead the team, don't turn it over. Isaiah did it both. Isaiah not only passed it, now 9.3 assists, that's not bad. That's not shabby, but also averaged 19 a game. That's, that's, he was the first before Steph did it. And anybody, actually, Steph doesn't pass the ball that much. Moving on to number two. Number two, I'm going to get a little, I'm not going to get beef on this one. It's, of course, John Stockton. Come on, man. John Stockton is the all time leader in assists. Nobody's ever going to reach that record. He has 15,800 assists. He averaged 13 a game, 10.5 assists. He averaged a double-double, people, okay, with point and assists. You know how difficult it is to average a double-double and assist? That's never going to happen again because nobody passes the damn ball for the career. Somebody can do it in, the, in one year or so, but nobody can. Nobody passes the ball anymore. These point guards, oh, shoot, oh, score. He's like number three or number two in steals of all time with 32 over 3,200, 2.2 steals a game, bro. And this is a guy that everybody thought, you know, he Malone made him. No, I think he made Malone as well. But 10-time All-Star. All right, NBA All-Star MVP in 93, two-time first team, sixth All-NBA second team, three-time NBA third team, five-time NBA All-Defensive second team, nine-time NBA assist leader, and two-time NBA steals leader. This guy was nasty. He didn't score much, but when it was time to score, remember, he was your typical prototype of a point guard from the 80s and the early 90s and the mid-90s. Floor general, pass the ball, and play, you know, and play on the ball, and play the ball on defender. But John Stockton is the all-time leader in assists, ladies and gentlemen. He is the man, all right? The man, John Stockton, of all time. He's the he's number two in my list. And number one, come on, you know who's number one. Irvin Magic Johnson. Enough said, for Pete's sake. Irvin is the man, all right? Irvin Magic Johnson, five-time NBA champion. Come on, him and Larry Legend going at it. Huh? Three-time NBA Finals MVP. Three-time NBA Most Valuable Player. 
It was an MVP three times, people. Come on. Come on now. 12-time NBA All-Star. All right. Two-time NBA All-Star MVP, including the last one was in 92 when he retired and came back just for that one game. Nine-time NBA first team. That is unbelievable. That is really nine years. That is unbelievable. He led the league in steals twice and four times in assists. He almost averaged a triple-double, all right, which was insane. 19 a game, 19 and a half a game, 7.2 rebounds per game, and 11.2 assists. He has the highest assist per game average of all time. Nobody's ever going to touch that. Nobody's ever going to touch that. And I think if he was, if he hasn't retired early, if he had to retire early because of um, the, you know, he announced himself with HIV, he would have been number one in assists. I don't think Stockton would reach him. But he revolutionized the game. He saved the game along with Larry Legend when he came up in the, you know, in 78, 79. Nobody ever saw a 6'7", six, 6'8", six, guy dribble and handle the rock up and down that court like Magic did. Yes, we got Ben Simmons now. We got LeBron and that. But let's what? Those guys are all... All the product of Magic Johnson. He was the first to do it. He was a leader on and off the court. That team looked for him. I mean, example, he played center in his rookie season and scored 42 points when Kareem got hurt. All right, in his rookie season in the NBA Finals to win the championship. I mean, the kid was made for glory. He's done it on and off the court. You know, he's a great entrepreneur. But most of all, he was a heck of a basketball player. Nobody, nobody could have led that Showtime team like Magic. Nobody else. It was his team. It was his time. Best no-look passes I've ever seen. Best one-handed bounce passes from the you know middle from the midcourt, full court one-hand passes. I mean, behind the back, fake fake no-looks behind the but you know before cats were doing fake no-looks behind the back, right? You know, fake back passes. Mike, you know, Magic was doing it. You know, no-looking of the other side. Showtime. He saved along with Larry Legend the NBA. That was great, man. I used to love watching Irvin Magic Johnson, even though I was very young. Uh, I was born, you know, I, I was very young when I saw him. I could only see him from 88 to like 91. There's nothing like the internet and the old school videos, man. I used to not, nothing, nothing but get, nothing but Magic Johnson videos. I used to love Magic because, you know, I'm a short guy and I play the point. So there you go, folks. Top five greatest NBA point guards of all time. What do you guys think? Leave me your comments down below. Go ahead and tweet me your comments, your thoughts of the top five NBA greatest point guards of all time. Keep downloading. Keep listening. Go ahead and subscribe. And with that being said, your boy E-Man is out. Peace. Oh. Oh.